Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I feel a little empty inside not doing an intro this week. Yeah. I know people are probably going to turn off the podcast when they tune in and don't have you saying something stupid into the microphone. Hey, listen, man, (laughs) people have to hear my dulcet tones. Oh yeah. Just roll the music. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Tracking the Storm podcast. My name is Brandon. That's Matt and Alex. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Uh, we have a very special guest coming in this week, so we'll get to that in a minute. But before we jump into anything, let's take a quick moment and have a word from DraftKings. It's almost that time. Everybody's favorite time of the year, football season. To celebrate, DraftKings Sportsbook, the top-rated sportsbook app in America, is putting new players in the center of the action with $200 in free bets instantly if you bet $1 or more on any college football game. Take advantage of the limited-time offer now. That's right. DraftKings is giving $200 in free bets instantly when you place a bet of at least $1 on any college football game, no matter what. Head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now to check out all the great promotions and daily odd boosts they are offering. It's safe, secure, and reliable and easy to use for anyone right here in the United States, so it's easy to withdraw and deposit your money at your convenience. And who doesn't like making money watching your favorite sports? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code THPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any college football game. That's promo code THPN to get your free $200 in free bets instantly. For a limited time only, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Uh, this week, we are very excited to welcome on another very, very special guest, Aaron Schwartz, the Director of Hockey Operations for your Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, Aaron, thank you so much for taking the time to jump on here with us. Sure. Thanks for having me, fellas. Good to see everybody here. Right. Good stuff. So, Aaron, obviously, you know, uh, there's a lot of moving pieces in an organization. And uh, for the casual fan, they might not know what the director of hockey ops does. So could you maybe walk us through kind of what your day-to-day role is? Sure. Um, So I guess I'll start with what I usually do is um, try to find out what's going on in the league. Uh, That's kind of a habit I picked up when I was uh, an attorney uh, in litigation, just trying to, you know, see what the legal landscape is. You know, I do the same thing now in the front office, Uh, make sure I know what's going on in the league in, in terms of transactions or contracts um, but my, my main responsibilities throughout the season are, are roster management. Um, so I'll prepare each day's roster, make sure we're compliant, call guys up, 
if a guy needs to go on waivers um, and, uh, you know, and, and also factor in any of the cap implications. I, I work together uh, on the salary cap with Eric Tolsky, who's just incredible with, with numbers. And he's built a really amazing platform that houses our salary cap system. So it makes my job a lot easier. Um, and then I try to mix in some scouting. You know, I was a player, I, uh, I was an agent before. So, um, you know, I think I have a good uh, ability to evaluate talent. So uh, I try to help the organization and, um, you know, scouting and watching specific teams and writing game reports. And, um, you know, opining on any uh, issues or problems we may have, um, you know, Don Waddell surrounded himself with some really great people. So he values everybody's input. Um, so that's kind of my day-to-day during the regular season. Um, obviously in free agency that it was uh, crazy. Uh, you know, I'm in charge of making sure uh, the contracts are structured properly, comply with the CBA, and uh, that we don't get any contract rejections as you uh, you guys saw in this last free agency with some other teams that I won't mention. Um, so, you know, compliance is a big thing. There's a lot of rules. The CBA is is very fixed. So I'm in charge of interpreting that and being a liaison with uh, the league and making, uh, making sure everybody's informed and, and knows how to operate uh, around certain situations. And uh, real quick, I know uh, maybe a little known fact. Um, I think you had actually input on a part of the CBA. Did you not? Um, no. Uh, I don't think so. Okay. (laughs) I said something about it on LinkedIn and I was like, oh, that's neat. No, that, you know what, you know, who did though was Ian Pulver, who's uh, an agent that I've dealt with, um, uh, with several players. He, uh, he was involved in the drafting of the CBA. uh, The one that included the most recent CBA, the one that included the, uh, I'm sorry, that was the 05 CBA that included the uh, salary cap. Uh, but I, I had absolutely no hand in, in drafting. I, I wish I, I probably would, would understand the whole document a lot more. But uh, no, I uh, the, the first uh, experience in a front office that I had was uh, as a legal intern with the Washington Capitals. Uh, I flew out to Washington, D.C. Uh, the week they won the Stanley Cup and I was helping their assistant general manager, Don Fishman, uh, with some salary arbitration prep. Um, and, uh, the entire, uh, team left on the private charter to go to Vegas and didn't take me with. And so they won the Stanley cup that night. And I was like, well, I guess I'm just going to come to work in the morning. And that was, it was pretty interesting. Um, so my, my buddies joke with me today that I, I, you know, for, if it wasn't for me, they wouldn't have won a Stanley cup and I always joke about seeing my Washington capital Stanley cup ring. <laughs> So you actually, you kind of talked about this a little bit a second ago with your past as, you know, playing and how do you think that helps you a little bit as a scout and whatnot. But um, I think I already alluded also to the Canes Country article um, that talks about your background. And, and I'm not going to, you know, dive too much into it here. It, it's, it's, it's still out there. Anybody who wants to go read it can. It's really interesting to get into. But how does, you know, touch on some parts of that that have gotten you to the position you're in today and gotten you in a director of hockey ops role, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. I mean, I, I've always been the underdog and, and, you know, people have always been telling me what, uh, you know, what my limit is. I can't, what I can and can't do, you know, coming from playing club hockey. Uh, you know, I was told I, I'm never, you're never going to play pro. And, and even before that it was, 
you're playing high school hockey in Illinois, you'll never play juniors. Um, and so, you know, it, it just fueled my, um, my work ethic. I, you know, I started in single A professional in, in what was called the all American hockey league. I mean, it's below the East coast hockey league. Uh, you can call it the equivalent to the Southern professional hockey league, but it, it was even worse than that. Uh, you know, and I got a tryout in the IHL with the, the Bloomington Prairie thunder and, went to camp there and uh, Jason Christie was the coach at the time. And, uh, you know, he told me you have stone hands. You're a great skater though. You not you need to learn how to start skating backwards and turn me into a, a defenseman. And so I, you know, I was, I was big and physical and, and tough. Um, you know, I, I didn't go out looking for the fights, but if, if one occurred, I, you know, was more than happy to uh, finish one. Um, and uh, that led to, you know, going to several different Central Hockey League training camps, getting cut, going down to the Southern Pro League, getting called up to the Central League, um, getting tired of that whole process and, and figured out it could, I could sign an actual long-term contract in, in Europe and stay put for a longer period of time than a, a couple weeks. So um, got to travel around Europe, played there for a few years. Um, I was in the Czech Republic, Sweden, Slovakia. Um, uh, my last year, um, I started in the Slovak extra Liga, got cut, went to Poland, made the team, uh, signed a contract. And then the league went into essentially what was a lockout. And they said, uh, to all the imports, we can't pay you. We can't pay your visas, have fun. Um, and so at, at that time I was like, you know what, it's, I'm almost 30 years old. I got, I got to hang up the skates and figure something out. And I, you know, I, at that point I would have never imagined I'd be at the, in the place that I'm at now, but um, it was, it was always my dream. It's, it's absolutely crazy that it happened, but um, I, I knew I wanted to go to law school and I knew I wanted to either be an agent or be in the front office. And somehow I wound up doing both in a, a very short amount of time. And as a fellow club hockey player for NC State, I uh, definitely <laughs> an inspiration. <laughs> Former, a couple years ago, anyway. Yeah, no, I mean, it, you know, that resume, it, it followed me around the whole, the entire time. You know, even, even when I had the CHL games um, and I had, you know, uh, it played, you know, a full season in Europe, it was, you know, it still follows me around today, right? But I think uh, there, there was a player um, on Tampa who uh, – uh, he, I don't think he played any NHL games this year. Actually, he did. He played an NHL game this year at the end, uh, and he started his career at Lindenwood in the ACHA. Yep. Uh, David Walcott. Okay. I did not know that about him. I know he, who he uh, is. But... Daniel Walcott. The, his father is David, who's a great guy. Met him in Chicago. Uh, but Daniel Walcott, uh, I, I think he holds the record for uh, going from the ACHA to the NHL. Yeah, wow. I, think he's the, I think he's the only one. Um if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, because uh, I know like just like the first one went from ACHA to D1 or one of the first ones. It was or maybe it wasn't even one of the first ones, but I know a kid on Arizona State came from the ACHA. And so I was oh. talking to some of my old buddies and it was like a big deal. So going from that to the NHL, that's that's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, Aaron, uh, you mentioned that, you know, you've obviously been around hockey your whole life um, and a big component in your role with the Hurricanes is predicated around roster moves like you said and scouting and you have a big you kind of have a lot of hands-on in the personnel side um so my question would be you know when you guys are scouting uh for the draft when you guys are scouting 
potential trade acquisitions and potential players that might make sense for their group and free agency. What are the main things, the, kind of the main characteristics that you guys look for in a player? Is it character? Is it skill? Is it kind of a combination of everything? Um, kind of a combination of everything plus a, uh, a very uh, statistics-driven, analytics-driven analysis. Uh, you know, we have the brilliance of uh, Eric Tolsky in our front office, which uh, makes us better in, in just about every capacity. And, and his understanding of the game aside from, from the game in numbers is, is pretty incredible. Uh, and he does so much for the organization. Uh, same thing with Darren York. I mean, his ability to uh, predict uh, how players of that age are going to succeed in the NHL. I mean, obviously uh, we're one of the best drafting teams in the league and, Oh yeah. And he's had a lot to do with that. Um, he spends countless hours in front of the screen in, in the past year, uh, you know, because he couldn't travel around and see rinks. Uh, and, and he's, he's just incredible, but um, we take a value-based approach. Um, our, our owner is a businessman. He takes a businessman approach. Um, so it, it's not just the eye test. It's, you know, what do the numbers say? And, and it's, uh, you have to find the perfect balance between the, the, the two of those uh, when you're making any decision. Uh, but you also, you want to stay in line with our core values, which, you know, we've uh, tried to build a, a pretty good culture here. And uh, uh, that's most important, I think, uh, when first selecting what, you know, what type of player you're going to look at. And then you, you take a deep dive into what do the numbers say? What do the scouts say? Right. And I'm guessing that, like, also bleeds into, like, say, for example, this past draft, you guys traded out of the first round and picked up multiple second rounders. Do you guys have, like, you know, I see some like formula type deals floating around, like just on the internet that it's like, okay, they lost this kind of value and they added this kind of value. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't want to get into that too right. much. I want to give away the secret sauce. Right. But, uh, you know, like I said, we look at numbers um, and we have some pretty incredible people that have put together um, data for us to parse through um, that's easily accessible at the draft table. Uh, it was kind of funny. I was getting text messages from pretty much uh, every other assistant GM in the league uh, when we kept taking timeouts uh, to the <laughs> point where they said, we'll just give you some picks. If you, if you stop taking timeouts, <laughs> single-handedly made the draft an hour and a half longer. So, um, what a strategy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then you guys end up with three, like almost first round talents in that second round. You got Jaime Salami and then Koivinen and Scott Morrow, who were all guys that were projected by different people yeah. in the first yeah, round. Yeah, I mean, but by the time we were ready to pick, we saw that, you know, there was probably uh, – there was a high probability that most of the guys we wanted were still going to be there. Right. I always joked uh, during the draft, I said, you know, it's a great strategy by the Canes to just take as much time as they can to let other GMs forget about the good players that are still available. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we were discussing trying to break the record. I think the record was 14 picks and we, we tied it at 13. So almost there. Nope. That's all right. That's a, that's a goal for next year, right? There you yep, go. That's a goal for next year. <laughs> so, you know, you talk about, handling the free agent side of things this year and how it was all crazy with, you know, the cap compliance and all of the numbers and everything. But um, what's left on the to-do list for you? Is, is there anything left that maybe you guys are trying to 
to see obviously you know we can't pull the curtain back too far yeah I mean, like you said I, give away everything i think the obvious uh is is that we're looking for uh maybe a top six winger or someone that can uh fill the need uh left by uh fogel um you know whether that's going to be a guy who can score 25 30 points um or a big body presence that can go uh in the corners and be physical and get the puck um you know to the center of the ice um so we're you know looking at all aspects uh, whether it's someone that's left out in free agency that's a ufa uh or a trade or or going with um uh, promoting within which uh, you know we aren't hesitant to do at all right yeah, okay. got some interesting guys coming up so i don't think you guys would be too bad off if you were to add you know maybe a seth jarvis or somebody in the future we're excited yeah. to see those guys start to come up yeah, no, we've got we got a lot of talent in the pipeline. Obviously, um, sure. you know, Jarvis and, and Reese and Suzuki were um, pretty successful in the American Hockey League. They get that they got that special opportunity to uh, showcase their talent with men. Uh, you know, a, a year prematurely uh, with all the rules that that uh, changed last year. Um, you know, we signed uh, Jack Drury, which we're really excited about. He had. Uh, a hell of a season out in the SHL, won a championship, and um, you know we're we're hoping that he's uh, NHL ready. I, I also should add, should have won Rookie of the Year. Yeah, yeah. I need I need to add that as my you know homer take for the day. Yeah, and you mentioned my boy Reese. Nah, never mind. I won't go off on that tangent right now. That's my dude. <laughs> Uh, so Aaron, um, your first your first kind of year in in your new role as the director of hockey ops. So it was kind of a weird year with COVID impacting the season um, of kind of a compressed schedule, um, you know, and all the things that went on. Uh, so what what would you say are some of the biggest things that you learned in your first year, and what are some things that you can see yourself um, like kind of things you take away from the season that you can grow and kind of improve on as you go into your second year? Yeah, uh, well, I didn't realize there were going to be. Uh an abundance of forms for me to get familiar with. Uh, <laughs> I mean, every, I mean, I'm filling out forms left and right, uh, you know, various exhibits of the CBA to make the roster transactions. And, um, you know, one, one of the biggest uh, hurdles was obviously you can read the CBA over and over again, but you're not going to understand it completely until you start to apply it. And I always like to uh, uh, make the analogy of reading the tax code. You can read the tax code till you're blue in the face, but uh, unless you start to apply it, uh, it's not going to make much sense to you. So uh, it took a while to, to, you know, figure out uh, not only how it actually operates, but, you know, how the league interprets uh, certain provisions. Um, and, uh, you know, it was a, a, a new roster for me. I, I jumped in and, you know, knew uh, a, a lot about the guys, but I had, um, never seen them, you know, play a full season to, you know, actually know what, what type of players they are, what, what their struggles are, what their strengths are. Um, so getting familiar with, with the roster and assessing our needs, um, you know, but by trade deadline, uh, you know, I was at least uh, attempting to, uh, you know, bring intelligent points to the uh, table and discussing, you know, what we thought we needed and uh, where we thought we could get that. So, I, I like to think I, I was a big part of getting uh, Hawk and Pock from uh, Anaheim. And, um, 
Yeah, I mean, the biggest takeaway uh, of the year for me um, is to take notes of everything I'm doing because it's a full cycle again the next year and the next year and the next year. Um, so the job gets easier, but you got to remember what steps you took uh, in certain situations. It makes it a heck of a lot easier when a, a similar situation arises. So obviously the team is going to look pretty different next year. Um <laughs> with, you know, the additions of guys like Ethan Bear, Ian Cole. Um, God, there's so many. Brendan Smith. Um, Derek Stepan. Derek Stepan. You know, we've got Tony D'Angelo. We've got an entirely new goalie tandem. Yeah. So could you could you kind of speak on some of these guys? And, um, you know, for, for the casual fan here who might not, you know, pay attention outside the league, what some of these guys can bring to the uh, to the lineup? Yeah, I mean, I guess I'll start with Cole. I mean, he's, you know, he's won a Stanley Cup. He's a veteran. Uh, he's a big physical presence. Uh, you know, we like him in the corners. Uh, he can get guys off the puck. He can clear the front of the net. Uh, we think we weren't as good as we could have been last year at that uh, in stopping those high dan- danger chances. And it's always good to have some veteran depth yeah. uh, throughout your entire lineup. And I think we've done that both on the back end and, and with the forward group. Um Ethan Bear, I think, uh, probably our most promising upside in, in terms of the acquisitions we made. Um, we see a lot of promise in him. Uh, his character, obviously, is you know exactly the type of culture we're trying to bring here uh, in Carolina. And uh, this, the hockey trade we made with Edmonton uh, made all the sense in the world. Um, you know, Warren was looking for a place where he could. Uh, earn the top six minutes and with us being so deep it, it wasn't here in Carolina and and um, you know Edmonton was willing to part with uh, you know a depth defenseman they have some pretty good D there as well um, and 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 they kind of did what, what we did they acquired you know Duncan Keith to add some veteran uh, depth there um, so we're hoping that Ethan Bear is uh, at the least a great third pair defenseman but has you know some second pair upside um, you know, Derek Stepan, again, a very experienced veteran. Um, you know, we had Stevie Lorenz in that, that uh, fourth-line center position. Uh, Geeky's gone now. Um, I think they shared that position throughout the year, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so it's nice to solidify the center position there with, uh, with Stepan and, and also, uh, you know, hopefully bring his leadership uh, and character uh, as a positive impact to uh, the dressing room. Um, so we've, you know, we've definitely gotten deeper on D and forward and, uh, you know, we got into a little bit of trouble in the playoffs when Slavin went down, um, and, and some other injuries on forward Trocheck, And, um, you know, we just want to be better prepared for a deep playoff run. Um, cause we got pretty banged up there in the first round and you know, you, you can never add too many veterans that can still play. So I guess I'll, I could talk about the goalies a little bit. Um, you know, I, I don't know too much about uh, why we didn't bring back uh, Mrazic. I mean, obviously he signed a, a pretty decent deal in uh, Toronto. I, you know, maybe he wanted to move on. Um, obviously we traded Nadalkovich uh, because, um, you know, we felt there was value there uh, that we could capitalize on. Um, and we brought in, um, some experienced goaltending um, to have what we think, uh, if everybody stays healthy, is going to be one of the best uh, tandem goalie 
partnerships in the league. Yeah, sure. It's definitely got a lot of upside. You know, Anderson and Ranta have both done it before, and it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out there. It's really funny seeing Anderson come full circle. Yeah, yeah, seriously. Drafted by the Canes, and now he's finally getting to play. Yep. The first time around. Yeah. Anyway, we won't keep it too much longer. Um, keep him, keep him firing. I'm, on, I'm on a roll here. I'm feeling good. <laughs> well, so, damn. I, since we I, have I, you, I, if I, you I've insist, got, I've got one for you. I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure uh, if, you, if you'll be able to really answer this, but you know, one player that we kind of speculate on a lot is. Um, Jake Gardner, uh, kind of uncertain injury situation. And, you know, he was kind of in and out of the lineup last year, had the, has like some rumored back injuries might be apparently looking at surgery. Is there any update on him that you can give us? Yeah. I mean, I know he wasn't playing at a hundred percent, uh, last year. Um, but, uh, you, you know, as to a specific injury, I, obviously I can't comment, um, you know, uh, whether he'll be back next year, you know, I'm not sure. Um, but, you know, it was, it was unfortunate uh, because, you know, I, I don't think it was his fault that he was underperforming. Uh, I think he had some things that were bothering him. And, um, you know, hopefully he gets that taken care of in the off season. So you mentioned that you do a bunch of scouting stuff on the side um, when you're not, you know, working on the cap transactions and everything else. Um would you say your work is more on the pro side or do you try and mix in, you know, amateur hockey or, you know, European leagues as well to try and get a good mix of talent? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not afraid to watch the European pro stuff. Um, you know, right now I got to master the pro stuff. Um, um, I, I, like I said, I, I think, uh, you know, I've, I've been told by Mark Craig or head scout that I see things that others don't, which is probably one of the best compliments you can get. So I, I want to continue to work on that. It's, it's just difficult because it's, uh, it's not my job title. It's something that I'm doing uh, to, to bring value to the organization and uh, help everybody with um, decision-making and also make myself educated uh, when we are making uh, personnel decisions. Uh, but I have, uh, I have not ventured into amateur scouting. That's a, a whole separate talent um, that I, I certainly respect and, uh, would love to get into one day uh, because you, at that point you're projecting. Uh, you can see the product in front of you, but you have to be able to uh, recognize, you know, what certain things can be fixed and what certain things cannot. Um, and that's, uh, it's, it's a talent. For sure. Yeah, I think that's part of what makes the Hurricanes, you know, draft history. And granted, a lot of these players, we don't know what are going to be at this stage, but I think that's part of what makes it so interesting. Like all these high ceiling, like exciting players that we talked about this last week. We had Tony Ferrari on the uh, big draft guy. Um, just talking about these, these are the kind of kids that you draft and like, if they hit, they're not going to be some fourth liner that's plugging away eight to 10 minutes a night. Like there's so many players in this organization that legitimately could be top six, like great players. And that's really exciting for us as fans. Yeah, no, I mean, we, and that's our, our constant discussion is you can always turn to the market for your depth players, like right. you need to swing for the fences in, in the draft. Uh, because that's how you bring value. Right. It's such a crapshoot anyway. What's the point in, yeah. in any other way? Yeah. So one thing I wanted to talk about, you know, kind of briefly is, um, do you, 
have any contact with like the Chicago Wolves organization throughout the year? Obviously, you know, you, you have a working relationship with them as the affiliate. Um, but what kind of work goes in? Like, do you talk with them when you're acquiring like an, a player designed for the AHL? Like you guys signed yeah. Andrew Podorowski today. Like what goes into that process? Yeah, no, I've, I've been on the phone with uh, Wendell and, and Ryan pretty much every day uh, the past couple of weeks, uh, building that roster out. Um, you know, I, I do, um, you know, the negotiations with, uh, the players representatives, um, not only for some of the players in Carolina, but, uh, pretty much the entire, uh, build out in Chicago. Um, and, you know, just doing homework and figuring out, um, what players are out there. Um, are they the right fit? Um, and I know you had asked me before, uh, is there a difference, um, when you're signing a player in Carolina and when you're signing a player in Chicago and the answer is really, no, they have to fit the mold uh, of what we want in Carolina, because we're not just signing guys to have them play in Chicago. We're, we're signing guys because we think they have an opportunity to help Carolina. Um, and we want them to be uh, a part of our depth chart, uh, not just a player in the AHL. Yeah. yeah does you guys so put, kind of a lot of stock into, you know, obviously having a successful and winning program down in the AHL. Um, you know, Charlotte, obviously, when we were affiliated with them a few years ago, they won the Calder Cup. And now you're bringing in guys like veteran players that have been around the world and Eric Jelena and Max Letnov and like some veterans in the AHL where you're trying to build a winning environment down there for, you know, kind of the younger guys to soak up and experience what kind of environment it will take for them to, you know, kind of jump into the NHL and hopefully experience the same kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, one of the first things we discussed when we were uh, figuring out how to build the roster is we, we needed some leadership uh, and we needed some toughness and we wanted guys that could fill both roles and, and could still play the game. Um, we were lucky last year that we had uh, some help with Nashville sharing the affiliation in Chicago because they brought, uh, a lot of those type of guys. Uh, and now that we're by ourselves, we needed to go out and find those. So um, we were looking to get bigger. We were looking to get tougher. We were looking to get more experienced um, so that the older guys could uh, protect and, and teach our prospects the game, uh, which we think is the best way to develop our guys. And you've also got Ryan Wasowski down there, who he really just kind of seems like a very good, like, buffer and just maybe kind of almost similar to Brenda Moore's coaching style. And I'm yeah. sure that's by design. Yeah, it because, is. I mean, yeah. we, we try to keep the symmetry, uh, the values, the culture. Um, they are uh, very much respected uh, by the players. Um, they expect nothing but hard work. Yeah. Uh, and character goes a, a very long way. Right. Um, I, 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 I would argue that we have the two best coaches in both the National Hockey League and the American Hockey League. So we're, we're pretty fortunate. Yeah, yeah I would agree with you. Um, every player I've talked to that has played under Warsawski has had nothing but like glowing things to say about him. Yeah, they, I agree. It's same for me. They all glowed about him for sure. Um, and, and I mean, that's just like another added bonus obviously when you've got so many talented players you know you look at the projected roster for Chicago this year and you've got you know unless they were to crack the NHL roster guys like Drury Reese I mean there's so many like super talented kids and you get to have them down there with him preparing him for Rob Brendamore in the NHL and that's obviously something that's very comforting I'm sure yeah no I mean by design we're uh 
very deep, uh, very experienced, um, uh, at least with our veterans. Uh, but we made sure to keep the uh, some holes open for our younger guys to, to play because uh, they need to play right. um, top line minutes. They need to play in special units um, so that they can develop their game. Well, Aaron, we thank you so much for taking the time to come on and uh, just kind of give us a little bit of an inside look at the inner workings of the Carolina Hurricanes organization. Um, disappointed that we didn't mention uh, the fact that the Carolina Hurricanes are going to trade for Connor McDavid, but, um, you know, it's okay. We'll get there next time. Uh, but, yeah, thank you so much. I'm still working on it. <laughs> <laughs> Figuring out the details, right? Uh, it's funny. Every time I, t- I talk to Bill Scott in Edmonton, that's uh, all we joke about. <laughs> well, what's it gonna take huh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well thank you so much and uh best of luck moving forward with the rest of the offseason get some rest because we know it's been a hell of a few weeks for you guys thanks a lot guys keep in touch thanks for having me thank take you care, brother take care thank you appreciate it aaron okay. schwartz director okay. of hockey apps carolina hurricanes fun little chat uh, went on a little bit longer than I kind of expected it to, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, sometimes I'm like, all right, we'll get all out of your hair now. And I, I know we, we, we like didn't that. want it. We don't want to keep him too long. I know. Like, we, it was like, we were, we were like, okay, well, you know, I'm not trying to show you. Had enough, and he's like, wait, you're trying to get rid of me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, I hope you know, I'm not trying <laughs> to take like, wow, that's, that's, You're making my job super easy. <laughs> yeah, but no, that was a fun discussion. Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Any takeaways you guys want to get into before we get out of here? Or yeah, well, you, you know, oh, he, go ahead, he, Alex. he did. He did mention that you know the Hurricanes are still looking at doing a couple of things. Obviously, anyone who's been following closely and following the situation kind of has the same concerns that he mentioned. You know, the Hurricanes still want to add another forward to their group. He said there may be a top six winger light. Um, you know, I, I'm it's glad to hear that that's still something they're looking at. You had to figure from an outsider's perspective that they still were. But, I mean, it, it's, it's good to hear that they're still looking, they're still doing things and still trying to get some stuff done. You know, hopefully anyone listening to this will be able to relax a little because, I mean, just the, the pessimism on, on Kane's Twitter lately has just been <laughs> ridiculous. Just the entire fan base, man. It's just – so, you know, uh, just a little peace of mind for that. But, um you know, I'd like to ask you guys, um, free agency drying up a little. Um, you know, one guy we talked about a lot that we all thought made sense was Thomas Tatar. He obviously went to New Jersey for a pretty reasonable rate. Um, yeah. who, who, what are our options at this point? A trade. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's not a ton. Uh, I mean, you could consider if the Canes didn't bring in like a Derek Stepan type, I would have been all for us going out and bringing in like Tyler Bozak, right? Yeah, I agree. Um, I think Stepan and Bozak, I mean, Bozak might be a little better, but Stepan is younger. And, you know, <laughs> we say younger in like a little bit of like that, but, you know. Um, He's less old. Right. He's less <laughs> old. I do think that if, if you know, like Ryan Donato, for example, is a guy that's still available. And while, you know, he definitely might not be a top six guy, that's another guy that could fill, you know, the Warren Fogel type role that he kind of mentioned they are looking to fill, you know, that's you could, you could look at Jack Drury internally. I mean, I think, I think um, we all kind of had the speculation that Drury was, um, you know, NHL ready given the amount of press he was getting, but hearing, you know, Aaron say, yeah, we think Jack Drury's NHL ready. I mean, like, like, not going to lie. Like, 
kind of sent chills down my spine. I was like, yes. Yeah, I know, right? That, and he also mentioned Jameson Reese in the same breath as Suzuki and uh, Jarvis. And I was like, damn right. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I don't want to burst your bubble, but he was he talking, was talking about, about the AHL players. I know. I know. I'm a little surprised we didn't matter. mention Dominic Bach. Um, yeah, I, was I don't think I mentioned everybody, right? Right. I'm not, I'm not reading too much into that because, I mean, the Canes have a ton of prospects down there. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, the one thing I took away, and I know, I know analytics are a hot-button topic for the NHL always, right? You know? Yeah. Um, it's so interesting. You know, obviously, we've got Eric Tolsky, and we know he's basically the smartest person in any room he walks into. It's fascinating that they're like, yeah, we take an analytics-based approach, but we also balance that with the eye test and character and all this stuff. Like, I think the biggest notion with, you know, I'm, I'm going to bring up Pierre Maguire when he was talking on NBC Sports about, you know, analytics and trashing on it and just being, you know, a pretentious dick on TV for no reason, right? Like, no team is strictly analytics-based. There's so much that goes into evaluating a player. And it's yeah. like everybody in the public sphere knows this, right? So I just thought that was fascinating, you know, hearing about what goes into not only evaluating your own talent, but talent outside of the organization, whether it's at the amateur level, the professional level, or even, you know, out in Europe where it's, you know, still pros, but I, I call it Europe because it's like a separate thing. Yeah. God, this organization has so many smart people in it. <laughs> it really does. Um, and just to go back real quick to what Alex was saying, we talked about like how many prospects hurricanes have too, which kind of just furthers my point. Like you said, adding somebody to fill that Warren Fogle role. I think the best path forward from the hurricanes perspective now is for Jack Drury to be that person and for a trade for an actual top six forward. Cause this is something we talked about many times is that, yeah, you let Fogle go the idea is not to bring in somebody to replace him. It's to upgrade on that spot and have more depth scoring so you can compete with a team like Tampa Bay. And at this point in the offseason, I think the only player that actually moves the needle like that is a player you can trade for. And the Hurricanes have the prospect pool to do that right now. Yeah. So are you suggesting be, Vladimir Tarasenko? Huh? Vladimir Please Tarasenko? Get somebody with a shoulder that's intact. Yeah, I, I, I would like to see Tarasenko. I think it's a risk, but, it, you know, we'll see if, if they take that risk. I, I don't know. It, it, it's, it, it's, it's, again, it's what we've been talking about is measuring up with Tolsky's values. And yeah. is that worth the risk? What's the prospect capital going to look like to bring in that kind of contract for a player that you don't know what right. you're going to get out of him ultimately? Yeah. And, and I mean, even on a basic level – the market really hasn't been that crazy from like from a trade perspective, from what I've seen. Um, there hasn't been that many, but like I, I don't, I haven't seen any like exorbitant prices to get a player. Um, no, I think really any blockbusters, but like I feel like there's deals to be made out there that like still fill the value threshold for what Tolski wants. I don't know. Obviously, I'm not in there, so it's hard for me to really make that declaration, but. You get what I'm saying, right? Like, that makes sense. So you're not yeah. an NHL uh, GM is what you're saying? <laughs> more, more or less. <laughs> you know, I, I was – so I've been looking through, um, you know, the free agent list of who's left available. And, I mean, 
it's really thinned out quickly. I mean, the, the, the depth, of, especially if, if you want guys who are going to contribute regularly on their score sheet, you, your options are very limited in free agency. The one player that I, I, I kind of mentioned him on Twitter the other day. I have no idea if he's any good or not. I mean, he's been in he's been in the NHL now for a couple of years, and it's it's been very up and down. Uh, Nikita Gusev, he's a buy low candidate. If you want some offense, there might be some there. You know, he had a really good season in New Jersey a couple of years ago, and then last year he just kind of fell out of favor. Ended up in Florida, didn't really play at all. Um, what do you guys think of him? Did this, do, you, do you think he's a guy who might fit this system? Uh, who you know? might have something to offer, especially if he's playing in maybe your middle six with some skill guys, use him on the power play. Is he a guy that, you know, for a buy low candidate, especially at this point of free agency, does he make any sense at all? He's quick. I mean, that fits the system. And I mean, if the Canes think that he can be what he was billed to be when he came over here, right? Yeah, sure. He was a monster in the KHL. And I'm going to say this. And he's really good for the Devils that first season too. So it depends on who you're getting. I'm going to say this and you guys are allowed to laugh at me because it'll never happen. Oh boy. Once you sign Svechnikov, there's another Russian. That's a restricted free agent that you could sign. <laughs> I'm talking about Kirill Kaprizov. Yeah, I knew you were going there. Offer sheet him. <laughs> the fact that it hasn't happened yet with all of the smoke surrounding him going to Russia, which is just smoke, by the way. Like, there's no way he actually plays in Russia. I don't like, know, man. Like, maybe there, know. there has would, to be a team it. that is willing to get to give Kaprizov that money, or at least trade for him, or something. Like, some team should do it. I'm not there, saying there should, it should be, be 31 the other teams than Minnesota. You know what I mean? There absolutely should be. I mean, the fact that Ron Francis ha- didn't use a single like bit of his cap space for an offer sheet for like an actual star, it's kind of shocking. Like, yeah, I know he got Schwartz and uh, Grubauer, but the money for Grubauer, man. Yeah, man, I don't know about that. But he could have had Kirill Kaprizov, or Elias Pettersson, man. Like, there's Elias options Pettersson. out there. There's a lot of restricted free agents. Brady, yeah. Chuck, Ottawa, even Andre Svechnikov. Like, there's there's a lot of options out there. And I mean, you know, I, I'm still kind of of the mindset that, you know, the offer sheet stuff is kind of a myth and it's, it's a line that teams don't cross, but you know, we saw it happen with Sebastian Ajo, mind you, obviously all that talk about it being a test and whatnot. And, you know, obviously teams aren't going to attempt to screw around with the hurricanes in that sense anymore, but I just, you know, you don't see offer sheets a lot for a reason, whether you should see them more or not. I'm not really the one to judge that, but I mean, I just, I think the offer sheet is kind of like, it, it's just, it's just, a thing that's very big amongst the NHL community. And everyone's like, when are we going to see an offer sheet or, you know, all that kind of stuff. People just want to see drama. You know what I mean? It's, I just, it's more overhyped than college free agents. That, you know what? Great comparable. I love that. Like, what, I, what, comparable. I'm, what I'll bring it to is like offer sheets don't happen because like Aaron said, every team has like, you know, their own, list or formula for what things are worth whether it's a draft pick whether it's a player on a certain contract you know they've they've got their own way of determining that value i don't know what the hell edmonton's is um (laughs) or for instance you know great example ottawa with their scouting right i mean they don't draft anywhere near what the public sphere thinks they should right i mean it, it really looks like somebody was saying like ottawa doesn't care what the public sphere thinks 
they don't like they have their own value they have their own mindset and that's exactly what every other nhl team does you know i I read something recently and it was about uh like i can't remember exactly where it was but it, it was it was about mark bergevin and about when he had basically had to deal with the humiliation of that offer sheet and like Dundon basically laughing in his face. And it basically said like, that's, I think that that's really like discouraged GMs from putting forth any more offer sheets is like what Bergevin had to go through after like Dundon was like, what an idiot basically. <laughs> right, from, from, from that when Dundon basically pulled a rock and just went, shut up, bitch. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, like, not only that, too, remember, but, I mean, Montreal's cap space was tied up in Ajo. And remember, the Hurricanes were like, all right, you know, we'll take our time to match this. They, they literally waited almost the entirety of the process just so Montreal couldn't sign anybody they else. They couldn't do anything else. You know what I mean? They, so, like, they, they, they played they, they themselves. Really screwed themselves. Oh, yeah, man. they screwed themselves over. <laughs> the Canes, not only – I mean, that was just disrespectful yeah. in the best possible way. And the Canes really are, like, the heel – team now like in canada because of that right yeah so i think i think that's really cool like kind of hearing that you know like the way the canes might value somebody like uh i'm gonna bring up you know like a brendan smith who you know more than likely is gonna be your seventh d this year might be different than how a team like edmonton does or a team like arizona or you know just somebody out west so i think that's cool I mean, this was this was really like he didn't he pulled back the curtain just enough, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he man when he when he mentioned that uh, he was a big proponent of uh, bringing in Yanni Hawkinson, yeah. I was gonna be to like, I now. was gonna be like, oh, so you're the guy I need to blame? I, <laughs> I cried. So you're the culprit. <laughs> you traded Flurry. I was going. I almost had to mute my mic, man. I was like, Yo, I'm gonna to say something. I re- I'm. <laughs> Alex yeah. was about to be like my header photo with the Pikachu use Thunderbolt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. yeah, yeah. When that happened, I was like cracking up on the inside. Man, no, I was like, Alex happened, is I was so like, mad right now. I was like, so, trying I was, like not so to bring healthy, it up. God. You know what I mean? I was trying not to bring it up, but I, I noticed, like, I saw on Alex's face, like, obviously the listeners won't be able to see this, but like, Alex's face dropped. <laughs> No, it definitely did, man. It it it, it took all the restraint, all the restraint in my body to not, you know, at least not just crack a joke or something. Just you know, just something lighthearted. But I was like, you know what, I, I, I don't want, I don't want to overstep my bounds or anything. And you know, what's done is done. Uh, obviously, these guys are smarter than I am. I just, I love, I love Hayden Flurry. You know what I mean? So I'm gonna defend my guy. But uh, yeah, that that was funny. It, it it took every ounce of restraint in me not to, not to crack a joke there. <laughs> No, it's, all, by the it's way, all good, man. You know, I'm I'm happy that he gets to start his family in Seattle, right? Yeah, like, yeah, man. And they're marketing him. It looks like he's gonna have a good role there. I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, he's pitches at the Mariners games. I mean, good spot for him. Folks, we want to thank you so much for tuning in on this episode. I've been teasing it all week. Like, this episode was gonna be some heat, regardless. Um, just a really cool guest. Uh, Aaron is now officially a friend of the pod. Uh, Along with Stephen Lorenz and along with uh, Stephen Lorenz, along with Tony Ferrari, along with every other guest we've had on this show, Luke. Congratulations Schall, to him, Andrew Schnitker. I think that's. I think Jack I'm Le Guin. Jack Leguin. That's it. Yeah. 
So folks, lead list right there. Yeah, like just just an absolute star-studded cast here. We're excited <laughs> to bring you some more content um, this off season. I know it is starting to slow down a little bit. I guess the last thing we have left to talk about is uh, Kane's RFA, Kane's legend, Dylan Wells, um, signed an AHL contract today, so he's now uh, you know in Chicago. But folks, that's going to wrap it up for this podcast. We want to thank you so much again for listening. And as always, and I hope y'all are feeling the same way after today's episode, it's a great time to be a Carolina Hurricanes fan. Come on.